Hello and welcome everyone to a new episode of Tangents with Colleen and Mike, the podcast. Today's guest, she's a talented artist who doesn't trust her art yet. She's kind and generous and an altruist human on a self-healing journey. She's the master of her own life. Everybody welcome, Mika! Whoop, whoop, whoop. How's hey it going? Thanks for having me. It's good, it's good. Thank you for being here. Is it true that your mother wrote this intro for us? Yes, she did. I might have told on you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. She's my mom's my biggest supporter and my best friend, probably. She's amazing. To be fair, it's probably one of the best introductions we ever had on this podcast. It's definitely the sweetest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. Must be nice to have a mother who supports you. (laughs) (laughs) We just started. Are we going going into that again? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate, honestly. I'm I'm really lucky. I'm aware that not everybody has had a mom who's been by their side. And I think my mom's really cool. She's basically adopted all of my friends, and she's just she's always telling me, "Stop bringing home puppies. <laughs> all the kids become her kids." <laughs> Bring home puppies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so sweet. So you're living in Barcelona right now. I am. Yes. We I've are currently here. on Google Meets. We're doing a remote session. Wait, can yeah. I just? Um, preface this just to tell everybody she is the first you are the first guest who is not one of our all-time friends yes mm-hmm. you're the first oh. stranger on the podcast ever no pressure wow no Thank pressure you. no <laughs> cool cool yeah like we don't personally know you no no that's what I, a stranger is thank you mike yeah well there you go i've defined it now we can move on <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself how did you end up in barcelona um I moved out here to be with my boyfriend in July. It was just on a whim. Just mid-pandemic last year. Yeah, mid-pandemic. Yeah, we were we actually met in, high, in uh, college three years ago, and we just kept in touch. We were friends, and we started talking again. We were like, "Hey, let's just do it." I mean, it's summer. There's nothing, <laughs> you know. See if it goes well, and it's been great. That's cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually enrolled at Universitat um, de Vest in Kimishwara. I'm doing their uh, fine arts program in painting. And I got really lucky with COVID that we're online. So I get to finish out my year. I'll get my licenza this spring. And I'm just out here living. That's a cool combo. It actually yeah. is. Probably the first one who's ever had the whole thing happen in the way it did. <laughs> I it, It's a very unfortunate time and it sucks. But I'm grateful, honestly. Um, I think we got to take the good parts out of it right now. Because... We're in a situation where the government's really controlling all our decisions mm. uh, rather than communities. So we got to just look at the best parts of it. You sound like an activist. I'm, I'm not an act. I wouldn't say I'm an activist. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I feel like <laughs> human rights are basic. Like all humans should be treated equally. And um, uh, I don't know. I think like a lot of groups get attached to one thing and then there's still division between people. Mm. But the thing is, at the end of the day, we're all people, whether they're kids, whether they're old people, whether they're, they're people our own age, we're, yeah. we're all equal and we all deserve respect. I mean, it's it's just to me, it's just really simple and basic. That's it. You don't have to like people, but you have to accept that everybody's different. And yeah, our third <laughs> episode in a row talking about diversity and acceptance. Still in a wholesome way. So wholesome. I'm still afraid at some point this is going to blow up in a huge debate discussion. Really? Somebody's going to fight. I'm not sure. I don't want this to happen. 
Mm. Low key, I'm kind of interesting how <laughs> I think it'll be interesting how it will go in that case. It's it's like me when I was scared to talk about the the LGBTQ stuff. I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm kind of curious what would happen if I said stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an artist. Uh, yes, I've been an artist my whole life. Okay. Um, just always drawing and painting. In high school, I studied graphic design. Uh, and then when I came to Romania, I knew I wanted to actually learn something new. Because when I, I went to college for a year in graphic design, and I wasn't learning anything new, so I just dropped out. I was like, this is pointless. So that was, um, in, that was in the States? No, this was in Spain. Oh, this was in Spain. Yeah. Give okay. us the whole background. Yeah, yeah just, just walk us through the whole story. So you're from Romania, right? Yeah, I was born in Romania to a Romanian mother, American father. Okay. Um, then we lived in Germany when I was five for about nine months. My sister was born there. Moved back to Romania, uh, moved to the States in like 2008, lived there for 10 years, moved to Spain for a year of college, wasn't a right fit, moved back to Timisoara, which was my hometown. Um, I would always come back over the summer to visit. I had friends, I had family here or there. And I applied to the art university there and have been studying painting for the past three years. How come you didn't stay in the States and apply to universities there? Um, I didn't stay in the States because I don't like the States. The culture there is not the culture or the lifestyle that I want to be living in. Okay. And the colleges are insanely expensive. For me to have gone to art school, it's 90,000 euros a year. And that's just tuition. Holy Dang. shit. <laughs> Okay, yeah, definitely. Not to, to, to study to be a starving artist, of course. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. Wow. So how does Spain differ from that? Um, I'm not talking about like money-wise, just lifestyle-wise. Lifestyle-wise, it's honestly a bit slow for me. They do a whole siesta thing in the afternoon. And stuff is closed on Sundays. Almost everything is closed on Sundays. So... It's been a, a big culture change to not have just basic stores open hmm. or like big stores open. But I think the Spanish people are really welcoming and the culture here is really nice and the food is good. Um, I think the restrictions here might be a little bit harder than they may be in Romania with uh, COVID. Uh, Barcelona has been on lockdown. You can't leave the city for about a month. I think just last week they said over the weekend or during the week, you can go if you have something to do. Damn. So. Yeah, yeah, just really hard So what it was like last year for us, like at the well, beginning. Yeah, well, that was like what it was two months when the whole thing started, and it was, everybody just went apeshit crazy. March until May. Yeah, three months, I think, something like that. Yeah, but you could. I left the city a couple of times. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to, but then again, wait, you I, did? Yeah, like Eastern. Huh? I didn't. It was a funny thing because I had my my father, uh, my my both of us we are from Arad, which is like fifty yeah. kilometers away. So I had my dad come over to Timisoara just to pick me up and drove me back oh, to, yeah. back to Arad. Your dad's we, a cop. Yeah, that is. I mean, he Perks. never he never had to to pull out the badge or anything. But the funny part was we had this uh, declarations and we were supposed to do, um, what was it? The basic needs grocery shopping. Yeah, like. 50 kilometers away from home. There was no <laughs> bread close by. I don't know. But it worked. Nobody cared. Uh, when I was out there, I went to visit my grandmother in um, Turno Severin. Yeah. Mm. And just with the declaration on the train, nobody had any issues. Hmm. Visiting grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a mandatory trip. Like, how are you not going to visit grandma? 
Yeah, at the time I was living with my ex-girlfriend and we would spend a week at my place and a week at her place. And the way <laughs> we did the declarations was I would declare that I'm living at my place and I'm going, I would put her, her granddad lived across the street from her. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd put his address and I'd be like, oh, I'm helping my girlfriend's granddad. And apparently that was a good enough reason for the, co the cops and the military. The military fucking stopped me once. Um, oh, you were one of the lucky ones. Yeah, and they're like, got uh, in my ass. Cause I, I, I look with them at the, with the puppy eyes. And I'm like, I'm gonna help my 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 uh, girlfriend's granddad. <laughs> He's really old. And they're like, All right, go ahead. And then when when she would come over to my place, she declared that she's living in my place and that she's coming from her granddad. Mm. So we did that, and that worked always. Yeah, yeah strange times. Yeah, I had to like to go to Little a couple of times just to visit friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the pandemic's weird. Yeah, but I also did the whole thing. Like, I had this grocery lining bag, mm. and I was going in that direction, and it was a police filter or whatever, and I put the bag in front of me as possible, just to see I have a bag, I'm going grocery shopping, and I did went and bought some, I don't know, some meat, some whatever I needed, went visit my friends, and then le left back home for, like, man, three hours later, but <laughs> that's fine. It's, like, it's still there. It works. <laughs> no, no problem ever. How are restrictions now? Um, yeah, Timishara is a bit more strict than Arad, and Cluj is a lot more restricted than both. So in Cluj, everything's shut down, uh, or most things, because my dad went there last weekend. Uh, in Timishara, everything's open outside, but it's mm -hmm. freezing cold, so you can sit at a... Terrace? Yeah, at a terrace or whatever, uh, but it's really cold. In Arad, on the on the other hand, it's uh, they're open. They're like thirty percent capacity open, so like everything's open on the inside. Yeah, been there, been yeah, to the Irish pub. It was it was weird because it happened right after New Year's. So I was in Arad around that time, and then up to New Year's, I'd go somewhere, and it'd, it'd be like everything was creepy and closed and whatever. And then you know, you stay home for like two or three days around New Year's, and then I went back to the mall, and there were like a shit ton of people everywhere. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Why are so many people here? Why is everyone eating inside? What the hell? And then turns out that they lifted the restrictions after New Year's, which is weird. But, yeah. You know, I have this random stoner talk every now and then. Like, what would happen if you go outside and nobody's wearing masks? Except for you. You're the only one wearing masks. What are you going to do? What did you miss? <laughs> yeah. And that's basically what you went through. That is an interesting point because I did used to um, be really into the news back then. Like last year, I'd read everything about like the development of the situation, the numbers and all the countries and the situation shit. And then I think after the summer, we went on a few road trips. And after that, I was like, yeah, I don't whatever. I uninstalled like the news app and shit because it would notify you every day around noon when the numbers were public. And now it's just like, I don't know, what? It, things are closed? Oh, okay, I guess I'm not going out. I don't whatever. <laughs> What's it like on a day-to-day -day basis over there for you? Um, right now, everything is shut down. Restaurants are open between 1 p.m. and 3.30 in the afternoon. So they're open for lunch. Okay. Big stores, I think it's like there's this amount of square footage that anything bigger than that is closed. So small, mm. like really small stores are open. But big grocery stores, clothes stores are all closed. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. There's a curfew between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. You can't be out on the streets. Oh, we have that also. We have that too, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, that I don't understand. Um, maybe it's Nobody probably does. to stop circulation, but COVID comes out at night. I... Yeah. A lot of things don't make sense. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of the stuff is just propaganda to keep us in fear. The only semi-reasonable reason I heard for this thing is just to uh, discourage people going to somebody's place, like having private parties or something. And that's yeah. the only... That doesn't quad. stop people going early in the day. Obviously it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't stop people doing the same thing in the night either, but yeah. Like even wearing the mask, like you, they, they force you to wear the mask in outdoors. And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, there are not that many people per square foot. And how do you build an immune system? Well, if you don't oh, have fresh air. Okay, that's debatable. I guess. Because, like, yeah, okay, it's good for you otherwise, but also there's a virus that could kill you, not build your immune system. But I do see your point. I don't know. I just want to walk. I just want to go to the fucking coffee shop and I have to, have to wear a mask and then hold my coffee with the mask on until I get into the park and then sort of paranoidly remove my mask while I'm drinking the coffee on the bench. I just want to go. I just want to walk and drink my coffee at the same time. How about like, just uh, being able to see while you're walking? Well, that too. both of us were wearing glasses and it's just yeah. not a good combo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually stopped wearing my glasses because of that the mask. Exactly, that makes no sense. I can, my eyes hurt. And I'm you, too blind. You're blind, yeah, I was going to say you're blind if you don't wear them. <laughs> wow. Um, how did, How's it as as an artist with the whole lockdown and, and stuff? Because we mm -hmm. had this whole thing, like, when it, when it started, everybody was, we're going to focus on our hobbies and develop mm -hmm. new skills and whatever, and almost nobody did. Yeah. Yeah. Really? But did it help you in any way? Um, I think I've done a lot more like self-mental work than I have worked on my art. And a lot of uh, binging shows, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're juggling binging shows with what, mindfulness or what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mindfulness is tiring. So when it's you're, what? it's tiring. So when you had it now, like you just... Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I've been watching The Office for the fifth time this, this lockdown, so I need to, to meditate a little bit to get my mind off of it. I'm thinking exactly the obvious. I've been meditating so much, and I'm thinking too much, so I need to have The Office, so I don't... <laughs> there's something to make me stop thinking so much. What have you been binging? Um, Snowpiercer. Isn't that a movie? Uh, it is a movie, but they have a show about it now. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. It's really well done. Hmm. Really, really well done. Um, there's still episodes coming out now. Uh, Dark was really good. The German one, right? Um, yes, of course. That was, I, I think, one of my favorite depictions of time travel in any show or movie so far. Better than Rick and Morty <laughs> in that one episode? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and right now, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Okay. What about you, Colleen? What have you been binging? You know, that's a trick question, right? I know. <laughs> I'm like probably the last millennial who doesn't have Netflix installed yet. Yeah. You and, did. I, and I haven't been seriously watching series for like, what, like three years now? I don't know. You what watched you watch? YouTube. You watched Lots Bojack Horseman. Yeah, but it was like in the past three years, I think it was Bojack Horseman, Rick and Morty, uh, probably the final season of Black Mirror and I guess The Witcher and that's everything that was TV thing. series related lots of YouTube shit, shit crazy amounts of YouTube what do you watch on YouTube? Uh, it goes all over the place so I'll do mm, 
I have a lot of uh, channels that I, how do you call them? Educational channels. Mm -hmm. I will could go from her like in the beginning of the pandemic, I started getting into personal finances and businesses and whatever. So I have like a, a, a ton of content in that regards. Nerd. Yep. <laughs> Actually not doing that much geeky stuff. No. Kind of miss them a bit, but yeah. Mm. What else? I've had a full episode of a couple months, which it's actually still ongoing about uh, beliefs and religions and magic and all of that cool, good stuff. Oh, wait, that happened after what? Uh, Easter. No, no, no. After a TV show. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Midnight, Midnight Gospel. Gospel. Midnight Gospel. Midnight, Midnight Gospel. Gospel. That's a yeah, good one. Definitely forgot. How could I forget to mention Midnight Gospel? Yeah. That was that was very good. That's the one because you you discovered that guy from that one episode of Midnight Gospel, right? Yeah, YouTube had this the weird way of showing me this. It's a, it's a funny thing. Whoever didn't watch Midnight Gospel and is listening to this podcast, you need to watch Midnight Gospel. Oh yeah, like the way I describe that show is like basically Adventure Time meets podcasting. <laughs> oh shit! Because it is a. I just realized. How the fuck did you just I realize? Just realized because it was a, a like a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, officially oh on God. air, Mike's an idiot. <laughs> it never... I forgot about the existence of that show, to be honest. I completely forgot. Well, it escaped my mind that it exists. I, I just think you forgot, because in, in, in the premise of the, every episode is, would you like to be on my space cast? That's the word, space cast. Yeah. So, uh, what made you want to be on this space cast? <laughs> um... I thought it would be cool. I've never been on a podcast, hmm. so why not? I, I think uh, this year I'm trying to be a bit more open towards growing my own career and maybe myself as a person out in the real world. Where do you see so yourself in I, 10 years? Where do I see myself when? In 10 years. <laughs> Trick question. Years. HR mom just stepped yeah. into the building. Um, I, I don't know. Happy. That's a good answer. I like it that is. answer. I, I really don't know. 10 years is such a long time, but happy for sure. Hmm. So what's your, you mentioned career. What, what, what do you I, see I, that as? I'd love to be able to sell my art, my paintings. And I actually met a friend now recently. She's from Berlin and she does digital illustrations for uh, web comics, magazines, and books. And I've seen her work. And it just reminded me of why I even started graphic design was because of illustration, digital illustration. Right. And uh, that really inspired me to maybe start delving back into it, uh, maybe do some cartoon, uh, not cartoons, what are they called? Like coloring, not coloring books, picture books for kids right. with yep. stories. And uh, there's this one illustrator, her name is Emily Carroll. Uh, if you guys look her up, she's got these really creepy comics. They're really well done. I'm are you looking that up? I'm going to look it up. Okay. Emily Carroll. Yeah, Carroll with two L's, I think. Yeah, it auto-corrected it. Okay. I just saw a creepy face. Um, the wolf thing seems familiar. Nope, not familiar. Nope, not familiar, like it. but it looks really good. Have you heard of Twisted Dark? No. Oh, God, you would love Twisted Dark. You should. You should look it up. It is, I met the guys who make it, and they're from London. Uh, it is a comic book, but it's like a collection of stories rather than one main big story mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just a collection of stories that get twisted and dark. 
and and they're really good because they are literally twisted dark like i don't know how to, how better to describe that they're just dark stories are it's, it's have a, a twist co- yeah it's a collection of stories and they're like oh okay this is interesting and then at the end of each one it's like oh that's really fucked up and they're all kind of fucked up in in one way or another and then like, i think I, I read the like first four or five and at some point you see some stories connect to some other stories throughout the books Mm-hmm. and uh I, I i like that and i i even like the fact that you can see the artist journey throughout making the comics because mm-hmm. they got feedback on the first one that it might have been too dark so the second one's not that twisted it's still like dark but not twisted i guess and then in the third one they were like you know what fuck this people are clearly not enjoying the the, the lack of twisted and the third <laughs> one just go full on and it's oh god I couldn't poop for a week after reading them. They're really like, oh, shudders. They're, they're, they're messed up in the head, and I love them. And they also have a series called Twisted Light, which apparently are really heartwarming. That's so nice. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the Twisted Dark one's like all black with like a grin and stuff, and the other one's like all white with like, ah, happy angels and whatever. I don't know. Rainbows. Rainbows, <laughs> yeah. So what, what kind of art do you make? Where can we see your art? Where can people um, see your art? MariaMicaela.com. Oh, wow. You have a website. Look at you. Yeah. All professional and stuff. I think I've had a website since I've been allowed to touch a computer. Really? Like just different blogs and different website makers, Wix. And um, right now I'm on WordPress, which is, I've tried so many times. I really thought I could do something like that. And then... The thing is, I would get into the habit of doing it. I'd do a lot of posts. I'd get really, I don't know, I'd upkeep it very well. And then I would just lose interest for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like anything that we do. Or I do. Sounds like you. Yeah, Sounds really like you. But how yeah. would you describe it for everybody who's just listening here? Because I can yeah. see some paintings in your background. Yeah. Uh, and definitely, so I've, I've followed your Instagram for a lot of time. And I can see through the whole post that you have, it's just creativity oozing Holy out of you. Holy shit, that's... That's big. <laughs> That's the huge. Okay, so for everyone out there, there's a huge painting right to her right, I guess, on the wall, and it's huge, and it's of a lady who is naked, but also her chest, rib bones. Yeah, her her ribs are exposed, and things are happening. I can't tell. It's not finished yet. It's for my dissertation work. I'm doing the ego and the self, so I'm gonna have this painting and another one for sure, maybe a few more. Uh, maybe abstract surrealism would be the best way to describe it. I like the name, the ego and the self. Mm-hmm. I'm into it, that. I, I've had a lot of time to uh, just think, I guess, you know, and if you've seen uh, Midnight Gospel, was it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah then it, it gets to start thinking more and more about different things. And I delve into this journey of the ego and the self. Um, Carl Jung, by some... any chance? Hmm? Carl Jung and archetypes and the whole idea of the ego self. Oh, yeah, I've read some of those, right? And I think I formed, like, I think maybe the ego and the self are two different, like maybe a good you or a bad you. I think there's different ways that you can uh, imagine it in your brain. But the truth is, at the end of the day, you are one person, and you have to accept your full self. It's like the so, story of the two wolves, right? The old somewhat Native American thing. And, like, there, there's a white wolf and a, and a black wolf inside you, and... Uh, the ones I don't know is all about the 
good things and like honor and love and caring and whatever. And the other one's all about like pride and greed and stuff like that. And and they're always in a fight between each other. And you have to choose which one do you want to feed. Well, that's that's the that's the best. But the ending's the best part. It's like which one which one wins? Whichever you feed most. It's like oh yeah, that's, that's so good. Cool. But it's 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 a cool story and I love it. But it's just yeah. in somewhat an oversimplification of the whole thing. Like the idea with the whole structure, I guess you would call it. You have the self in the middle. You have ego on one side and you have shadow on the other side. Mm. Right? And somewhere in the middle is the self. Ego and the, the best definition of ego I've heard is the self-biographical voice you have in your head. Okay. And the shadow is anything that you don't want to accept about yourself. Right? And you have to combine both of them to get the higher self the your higher self you can achieve. Hmm. Your highest self. My English is bad today. <laughs> That's interesting. So what's your... I'm curious, because of that, like, what's your creative process? How do you come up with an idea? How do you materialize it from your head onto canvas or whatever? Um, I've actually been a pen and paper artist most of my life. I joined the painting course because it was something that I didn't know how to do. So before that, I do a lot of sketches, um, just pencil and paper. I have a lot of sketchbooks. Um, another one up there. Yeah, that's the one that got her here, huh? Because I, I, she posted this this one painting, one sketch, on Instagram, and I saw that. I'm like, I'm looking at it. Like, it seems weird at first, but I'm looking at I understand all of this i've been through all of these really yeah <laughs> with the whole uh esoteric episode i had last in 2020 he did he did have a whole is oh i found i found that on your Instagram. yeah that's the one that's the one self-made so i'm just looking at the whole thing i i, I know each concept i know how they relate and i understand how they are graphically combined together like yeah okay i like it and then one of we have a friend who sort of helped me, guided me a bit on that journey. And she had this saying that there's no coincidences out there. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, like, let's bring her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Thank I'm you. looking at this and I can definitely see you. Thank Berlin. you. At the same time, this looks like an acid trip to me. I mean that in the most honorable and nicest way possible. It is a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I intended as such. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm just, I'm fascinated by artists. I have a couple of friends who are artists and it's just the whole creative process that is fascinating because I've sort of, I've, I've seen this, witnessed this over the years, right? Because initially like when you're a naive young boy you're like oh it's someone's drawing but it's not it's it's so much more than that and personally i find out a lot more often in music because i i'll listen to a song and i'll be like oh okay this song's about this but then if you go into a certain headspace and you listen to that song it it just gets a whole new meaning and i find the same way about about like about visual arts uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Different, no, altering this perception of the world. That's what you're looking for, not headspace. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, you mentioned, um, uh, was it digital art? Yeah. What's how's that? How's that different? Because I met, a, I had a bunch of friends who were artists 
visual artists and they always were very specific that there are two different things drawing on pen and paper or oil or canvas or whatever and digitally they are in what way except um, for the obvious like not I, a pen. I think the most obvious is probably the biggest for me the difference between pen and paper and just maybe a tablet board um okay. using a mouse to use an illustrator or photoshop it's just a completely different process of doing it okay you could you describe that process uh, I, I mean i guess you would still start with pen and paper i still do always i make my sketches before i even get on a computer but there are a lot of digital artists who don't do that their mm -hmm. sketches are on the computer um I think maybe that would be the only difference, truly. It's it's really a matter of preference. Have you ever wrote, like, journaling or whatever? Mm -hmm. And is it the same thing? Is, is the difference between digital art and normal art, canvas art? Well, like is typing it a, and writing? Yeah, like typing and writing. Because I always had this difference. Like, yeah. I always like to have a pen in my hand and have the whole thing. Like, I like to feel my hand yeah. hurting after writing three pages and, and like that. That is a perfect comparison, yeah. Because hmm. I always assumed it must be a lot more easier, I guess, to do it digitally because you can just undo and you don't like ruin the paper with the with the eraser or whatever. But at the same time, maybe there's not the same feedback between the 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 pen and the paper as you yeah. have as you would have it there. You you don't. I'm assuming you don't have that on a on a tablet. Yeah, I think I have more accuracy on pen and paper than I do digitally. I would assume um, so. So it, it's fresh. It's a bit more frustrating. I, it, you do have the bonus, yeah, of editing, clicking Control V or whatever the yeah. reverse is. Uh, so you do have that advantage, but then you don't have the same accuracy as you would with pen and paper. You can get really close to the paper with your pencil, and maybe you sharpen your pencil. You get exactly what you want because you mm. see it in your hand. With the computer, you're kind of guessing. Because the computer program is still going to do whatever the math tells it to do. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Never thought of it like that. The, the people who make Photoshop and stuff must be really fucking smart. To write all that code in there to do all oh, those, uh, that like math that. and shit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The people who build Photoshop is what I meant. The yeah, people who use definitely. it obviously are as well. Because I've opened it like once or twice and I got lost and I was like, well, this is not for me. I mean, it's a skill you learn. You could. I guess. Just don't have the patience. Yeah, that was always intimidating because it's like, because you see art and it's like, it's art, right? It's fucking, it's art. And you see artists and you're like, God, you do like God-given talent to be artists. And I'm like, I'm a fucking loser and an idiot. I don't know how to do that. But like any artist will be like, it's just practice. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it, don't make it so easy. I'm trying to. Not do it. <laughs> there is a, a parallel you can trace here between art and coding, for instance, because that's down your lane. Oh, go on. So just think about whoever a novice coder right now will come to you like, how can you build this cool website or web, web app or whatever? And you're yeah. like, just, I've been doing it for a long time. I just try different things. Sometimes it fails. Sometimes it works. You learn and then whatever. You just get better. I know, but code is such a rigid, boring thing and art's cool well, and just, expressive. Uh, yes and no at the same time there's a lot of technique you probably can add more because i have no idea what i'm talking about but there's definitely technique when you you paint and it's not just throwing paint out of canvas and hoping it sticks well there's a lot of contemporary artists who do that okay um, sure that's also not they, yeah no the 
the definition of what art means in the art world right now is very, very wide. So I would be, um, I would even say that web designing and coding apps or things that you see digitally is art at this point because the amount of work it takes, you still have to have creative, you still have to be creative. You're still trying to sell something aesthetic, something that people will want to visually look at. Uh, just because there's a different technique to doing it, that you're doing it digitally or through coding makes no difference than if you're painting on a canvas or somebody's building an art installation. I guess it, it, it takes it definitely for visual stuff. Yes. For, for coding an app or something that's visual, there is that old saying in software development that the simpler it is, the harder it is to make. Like yeah. if you want a clean UI, something like simple and easy that takes the most effort trying to build something complex it's easy you just throw shit into it and say well it's there no one knows how to fucking use it but something easy and simple is i mean have you seen the amount of math and shit that went into the logos of like facebook and google because you just see a stupid f but if you see the sketches and stuff there's like precise angles of the curves and shit that, that went into that stuff that's crazy the twitter app that has the golden ratio just over and over. What? Who does? The Twitter. Like the Twitter icon. Oh, the, the icon. Bird. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. It's, it's like perfectly done. It's, it's insane. I've seen the circles for it. Hmm. Yeah, I've also seen the thing with the circles and every uh, curve of the wing of the bird. Oh, yeah. Just, it's just circles on top of circles on top of circles. But I never knew it had the golden ratio in it. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen what you're, what you're talking about. You've definitely seen that. Uh, Twitter... Golden ratio, and it looks like oh, there we go. Yep, that's the one. That's the one. It's just a bunch of circles, <laughs> a bunch of fucking circles, <laughs> just reducing to a bunch of circles. The, the, there you go. Look at that. That the, the Apple logo, man. That's for everyone out there. Just Google, you know, uh, Twitter logo golden ratio or Apple golden ratio. Look at that. Even Pepsi has it, and BP. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot of thi rigid rules that can go into this thing. See, I was always curious about that. Because you have art education, right? And you have... like It's always that thing, like when you're a kid and you're drawing and then they tell you, you you're not supposed to draw it like that or that's wrong. And it's like, but it's art. And as you said, there are contemporary artists who just throw shit at the wall. And it's like, oh, I duct tape a banana to the wall. It's art. And it's like, well, my teacher would have failed my class if I would have done that. Where's where's the balance or what? How does that make sense? Like, how much did you is it useful to learn the old and yield and stuff? Is it not? How much do you apply it? How much is your own? Where do you draw the line? Um, there's an expression that says you have to learn the rules before you can break them. <laughs> So I, I think being a child or just like getting into art and you start taking basic classes of uh, color theory or proportion or anatomy, it, it's a good base to have, even if you can't learn it fully. It, I think it's really important. Like, for example, color theory for me is so ingrained in my mind that mm -hmm. last night I was talking to my boyfriend. He was like, what's green? Like red and blue. And I was like, no, green is blue and yellow. And I was so shocked that he didn't know this but then i realized he's he's not like you know doing art and painting he hasn't done color theory since he was born he doesn't he does computer and film so he knows rgb he knows those lights 
Um, and for me, it was a complete shock that this block of knowledge that I had was not uh, common knowledge, like just basic knowledge that you would expect other people to have. So I think if you do want to go into art, learning those basic things, which are, yeah, like you would say, techniques, or I, I would call it maybe a toolbox for art so that you can then use those things. You can break the rules, of course, but you have to know them first. I think that definitely makes sense because if you go to a course, right, or a school, they have things they want to teach you. Yeah. You can then choose to follow those things your whole life or just don't. And just to give you an example for it, just think about Chuck Falunuk, young Chuck Falunuk following a writing class, a writer's class. Right. You know, did, you know who I'm talking to? The guy who wrote Fight Club. I know who you're talking about, but what did he do different? Everything. Like, There's a whole bunch of uh, writers out there in the community that hate him. Or just think that whatever he's running is way too out there. Really? Why? Because it is out there. <laughs> no, but like, what is he doing different? I never read his books. What is he doing different than conventional writing or whatever? Let me give you an example from the past. Because I love this small story. Okay. When we finished high school, uh, the ones that we were in top of the class, we got this uh, vouchers to get books. from. Oh, library. I fucking remember now. You remember <laughs> Okay, story. yeah. Tell, okay, tell the story. Okay. Uh, it's a good, it makes sense, right? Confirm that the story makes sense whenever I'm trying to illustrate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. So right in the middle of the baccalaureate exam, me and a friend, would you just say, just let's read like a couple of Chuck Falunuk books because that's what you do when you're supposed to learn for an exam that decides your whole life afterwards. That's, that's very true. Yeah, stupid boys. Whatever. So I buy one of them. He buys, buys another one. And I think it was Damned. That's the book I'm, I'm thinking of. And I read it and I was supposed to bring him back to him. We had like our verbal English exam or whatever. And we were wait, waiting to get inside that exam. And then somebody saw that I have a book with me and asked, what's this? And I give, this was my, the guy who had the bench next to me. Sitting on the bench next to me on whole house. And I said, Take this, go to this page and read until you get to the Lizard King part. So he does. He starts laughing his ass off. And then we have a, a girl, a colleague, a colleague of ours, the shyest girl out there, wouldn't say a word if you spoke to her. I think we maybe exchanged like five sentences the whole high school. And she asked what that was. And I, I gave her the book. I tell her the same thing. Go to this page and read until you get, get to the Lizard King. I'm not sure if she ever made it. She just closed the book like this and straight out handed back to me. I'm not reading this. The whole story, the part that I'm talking about is there's this couple of kids and in hell. It's basically a reinterpretation of the Breakfast Club. Is that the one I'm taking the reference? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's the Breakfast yeah. Club. The pro the protagonist is the, like 13 year old girl. She makes these friends and they're trying to escape hell. And somewhere along the lines, they're chased by this huge she-demon, like, I don't know, like, eight, ten meters succubus. tall. I don't think it was called a succubus, but yeah, basically. Yeah. And while they're running from her, um, one of the guys is a, a punker. A punker. He had, like, this mohawk. Mo blue mohawk along his head, and he gets his head ripped off. Obviously, he doesn't die because he's in hell already. But the protagonist has this weird idea, like, she picks it he his head up, grabs the mohawk by her teeth, runs straight to the succubus, starts climbing up her leg, and just stalks the head and, and, and the demon's vagina. 
the guy starts licking whatever and then she just pulls it out so he can get a breath of air and the guy just yells I'm the lizard king and then go back in <laughs> that is uh you're taking notes <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to write down the name of the book <laughs> that's Chuck Falanuk yeah imagine this in a writer's crazy. class that's crazy it is he's a cool guy <laughs> crazy guy also what kind of books do you read? Um, I am so sorry. My mother tried to call me. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> She's in the States, so there's a six-hour difference. Uh-huh. Um, I used to read a lot of drama or fantasy novels. One of my actually favorite books is by a Spanish author, but I read the English translation. It's called The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos, Carlos Ruiz Zafón. And what's it about? I I don't know what to say without spoiling it. It is if you it is a book for book lovers. Okay. Like it, it's just, it, it's this boy in uh, Barcelona actually. Uh, he in the, set in the nineteen forties, and his dad owns a bookshop. And on his twelfth birthday, I think he takes him to this very secret bookshop somewhere in the middle of Barcelona. And he, he tells him, these are all, all these books are protected. You know, whether a library has burned down or whatever, all these books are safe here. And you must choose one book and you will spend your life protecting this book. And oh. then when you have a kid, you will pass this down to your kid. And he picked the book and the book was called The Shadow of the Wind mm. by this author. And then he goes on a journey throughout uh, the book to find more books from this author. And by doing this, he discovers the author's life and he had a very tragic, dramatic past. And as well as he goes, because he's growing up throughout the book, becoming, I think, like maybe an 18-year-old. So he goes through friendships and deals with different people. It It's really just, it's beautiful. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Sounds like a good book. Yeah, we'll stick to that. Sounds like a good world building. I have, I have no problems with spoilers, but maybe somebody out there doesn't want yeah, spoilers. Yeah, me either. I, I love spoilers because that's what that's the, the defining point of whether I'm going to watch or read something or not. If you're going to tell me like what Fight Club is about, I'll be like, oh, yes, I want to see that. If you're going to be like all, all secretive and mystic about, oh, you should, it's really good to watch it, I'll be like, oh making me want to watch it less just tell me what's it about <laughs> but yeah I used, to read, I used to read the last page of every book i couldn't help myself before what? i even started the book i wouldn't even know what the what was happening and on that last page but i would read the last page i started doing this recently really? whenever i go into a bookshop yeah especially wow. if it's a it's a novel like something like y'all are weird fiction it's it, interesting it? or just open a random page like why why not no, but like if you read the last page and then you read the book, does for, while reading the book, does the last page start making sense? And you're like, oh, I bet. I wonder how they're going to get to that. Sometimes. Sometimes not. Obviously, it should be a long term. Like if you'd say like 300 page book, it will take a lot of time until the last book would make sense. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not expecting you to understand what happens in the last page. But I do expect you to know the characters or the, the gist of the plot for you to be curious how they get to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I understand. Because I'm sure no book has the, like, 
the the highlight of the ending in the last page. It's gonna be like a few pages before. Maybe the last page is like a conclusion or whatever. So, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think? And then, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say another author is Liba Bray. She does historical mysteries. Okay. Yeah, she's got two series out right now. One is set in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. And the second one is set in the 1920s, New York. Hmm. But they're different series, completely. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if they were connected in any way. E- There's like an Easter egg in the second series. And you hear one of the characters hears about a character from the other book series in a mail shop. Oh. But the first series, um, I think it's called The Great and Terrible Beauty. It's set in London. Hmm. And... The second series, the first one is Diviners, and that one is set in New York. Okay. It sounds like... you are you familiar with Hellraiser? No. The franchise. It's a horror franchise. It's like nine movies, I think. The guy with the needles in the yeah, head? Yeah, it's Pinhead. Pinhead. The, the, the main character is Pinhead, and he's like a demon from hell or something. And uh, it's it's really the first four movies are the best. The other ones are just shit, in my opinion. Uh, but the first four have a continuity and a story, and the fourth one sort of ends it. And then from the fifth one to the ninth one, it's just like filler stories, sort of from in between. Uh, but it's really good because the first three are like a direct timeline, and then the fourth one happens both in the very distant past and very distant future. But the, the free of them is really good because the, the third one introduces new character. The first two is like the same main character and it's like sort of the same plot. But then the third one has new characters who sort of they hear about Pinhead and what's happening and all this. And they hear about this girl who managed to lock him away into hell or whatever. So they go and find her and they go find the character of the first movie, the main character. So that's that's I like that. That's sweet. You should check it out. It's really fucking good. It's really oh, yeah. scary. It's very religious. I love shit that's religiously scary. <laughs> I hate, I hate, no, I hate religion. That's why if there's something horror about religion, I'll be like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to watch that. But at the same time, you're speaking with a boy who wanted to be a priest at some point. Yes, that's also me. Orthodox or Catholic? Orthodox. The shittiest of religions. <laughs> what about you? Are you religious in any way? Um, I was born and partially raised Orthodox. I was actually baptized in that big cathedral in Tijuana. Yep. Okay. And around the age of 13, I was like, God is dead. God does not exist. <laughs> she went full Nietzsche. God is an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, this is real. And for a couple of years, I was like, nothing. There's nothing. And then I became a bit agnostic because that's what my father is just like, I don't know enough to know anything. Hmm. So that was that. And in the past two, three, four years, I, I stumbled upon the secret. Actually, my grandmother showed it to me. And just a lot more stuff about manifestation and energy and the universe. And we are all one. We're all the same. It's all just source energy. I mean, re- and realistically speaking, it makes sense. They say we started with the Big Bang. We're all made out of the same matter. I mean, and that is true. Or destroyed. I don't know where my consciousness will go. I don't know if I'll still have it. It doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, but it, it it's it's a lovely feeling to know that life is meaningless in a way. Mm-hmm. So you just have to do what makes you happy and just live. 
you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anyone. Realistically, all you have to do is just accept and leave people alone. Be kind, be a good person if you want to. But baseline, just respect other people. Stay in your lane. I like that. That's a good philosophy. I'm just fighting so hard not to pitch the egg again right here, oh, right yeah. now. I love the egg. I've read it. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I know. I guess we talked about this in the previous episode. Yeah. Actually, I sent it to my father. And he, he replies back, I, you, you owe me seven minutes of my life. I was like, all right, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't like it? Um, Why not? Uh, he does not believe in anything. Oh, wow. Nihilist. So, yeah, yeah, but I think. See, that's the thing. I used to be sort of nihilistic with that view of like nothing matters in the bigger picture. But then I feel at some point, I can't, I, I can't, I couldn't pinpoint it, but I know at some point I feel that I broke the nihilistic barrier. And basically what that means is, yeah, nothing matters. There's no point in anything. Therefore, make your own sort of point in life. That's, that's what I feel. Cause up to that point, I was like, nothing matters, man. You know, life's fucking shit and horrible and we're all going to die anyway. Nothing you do matters. But then at some point, some, I don't know what the fuck happened. And I was like, yeah, but what if? I mean, yes, nothing matters, but that gives me all the freedom that I need to do whatever the fuck I want. And, yeah, and you already are here, hmm? right? You already are here, so why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm. I think I think it was Jordan Peterson, because he's the one who sort of very firmly said, like, "Yes, life is suffering. Yes, you will suffer. We all agree on that. You fucking have to realize that. Now what? That was just so late in your life. Because yeah. I know when you got into Jordan Peterson. Yeah, but that's not that yeah. long ago. A year, maybe two, max two. Yeah. Yeah, it was that because you need someone who te to tell you like you need someone exterior of yourself to confirm that everyone is aware of the fact that we're all going to die and yeah. that life is so like the universe is so endless that nothing you do matters. But then you also need that same person to tell you, OK, we all can agree on that. Now what? Because yeah. because everyone I feel that everyone was nihilistic feels that that's the end goal you know to just being nihilistic for the sake of nihilism no not nihil i'm talking i'm talking about that about yes as a concept but specifically about the fact that life is meaningless right uh, you reach this conclusion yeah, exactly. that's, the that's, end of the that's the end whereas jordan peterson phrased the exact same words but in such a way where that's the beginning that's the foundation and that was like oh shit that's a he's saying the same thing he's just saying it with the words to make me feel that that's not the end that's the beginning it's like yes now what now we st we've got over that we've accepted that and now we're starting to live and it's like holy shit that's amazing yeah nothing matters so you choose what matters exactly yeah exactly so do something about it yeah i love that it's great god i was going to say like five different things <laughs> while i said that one thing based on what you said <laughs> I was gonna, you know how Mike uh, said this is almost like a coincidence, like there are no coincidences. Coincidences, I, I think. Said that, it's really I think. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting that uh, we're all discussing these topics that we're all like learning about in our own lives and personally mm. that we're philosophizing or thinking about or discussing with other people. Yeah, it's always an interesting, interesting thing. When you find somebody, you can speak about these things and they somehow are on the same level or on the same page of the book that you are on. Like yeah. those things never feel like random. I don't know if it ever happened to either of you. 
I like how this is unfolding because this feels like we're all on the same page, but we all got there in different ways. Completely yeah. different. I can vouch for the two of us. We completely got, yeah, we got we, different ways. We got to the same conclusions, the three of us, I feel. I know we just met, but I, I feel like we all, we're all, the three of us are on the same page, but it feels like all three of us got there in completely different ways and different, we had different like trajectories how we got there. I like that. That's random. <laughs> <laughs> God, if I could just remember what I was going to say, I was going to say like five million things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you, are you familiar with the band Tool? No. You need to be. You need to be. <laughs> I love how you're writing down stuff. You will thank me later. I promise you. Because, especially because you're an artist. The guitar player of Tool, uh, his, like, I guess main profession is, like, 3D CGI models. Not even CGI, just, like, 3D physical models. So he helped build some of the dinosaurs in the first Jurassic Park. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Damn. I don't know which ones, but he, he there's pictures of him and like all everyone else like building the brontosauruses and the velociraptors and shit. Yeah, he was there. Um, and have you heard of Alex Gray, the artist? No. Okay. I might recognize his art. Uh, so Alex Gray is an artist who paints oil on canvas while taking a lot of hallucinogenic psychedelic drugs uh and they are stupidly detailed like ridiculously detailed and visceral and insane and amazing and he collabs a lot with tool to make their music videos uh that's why i think you'd like it the music is very profound uh and the art style is just absolutely amazing um yeah yeah, if you if you, artist, yeah. yeah, yeah, Alex Gray, he's a, he's a great guy. He has like the, the sacred mirrors and shit like that. I think is like one of his sort of collections or whatever. Is that the one I have the book and I haven't given it back to you yet? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I have the physical book of his. Uh, well, I have it. <laughs> well, you have it now. <laughs> and you have the in call as well. Yeah, but that one I read. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, the in call is a comic book written by the movie director Alejandro Jodorowsky which mm. I recommend if you haven't heard about uh, and is drawn by Moebius who is a artist? Isn't and... he the guy who designed the alien? No that's no, no, H.R. Giger. Giger yeah 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 Mo... he's the one who yeah, I remember Moebius god I keep writing Morbius no. isn't it just Moebius? No, 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 he has a name. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, he has a name. <laughs> Jean Giraud. Jean-Henri Gaston Giraud. Uh, that just made him more complicated. Yeah, I know. Just just write my views. He, he has a very particular art style, and it's really good. And they wrote this comic book, and it's... Alejandro Jodorowsky is like this fucking South American dude who's way, way into spirituality and tarot reading and shit like that. And he directed some movies in the 70s or 60s that are just he was basically giving all the actors lsd on stage and filming while everyone was tripping balls and the movies are all 100 percent symbolism and it's really good i love them what's the name uh, of the documentary with dune yeah sorry you were gonna ask something alejandro the last name oh god jodorowsky with the i not a y i think 
J O J L J O R O W S K Y. Okay. Alejandro. So he yeah, so there's a documentary uh called Dune. Um mm. and apparently he was supposed to make the first, you know, Dune, the movie, the books, the whatever. Mm. The sci-fi. The sci-fi. Yeah, Frank Herbert. He wrote these books called Dune, and they're really famous. They're sci-fi. They're mostly about politics and religion, uh, even though they're sci-fi, but they're good. They're very esoteric in some weird ways and shit like that. Uh, and the guy who ended up making the movie was David Lynch, famous movie director. Uh, and it was shit. <laughs> but Alejandro Jodorowsky was supposed to be the one who did it, and he had everything, everything planned out. Not even planned out, everything sketched out. Uh, Pink Floyd was going to make the soundtrack. Um, Dali was going to be the bad guy or something. The, the nemesis, evil emperor. Yeah. yeah. The big, fat, famous actor, he was going to be something in there, too. Jodorowsky's son was supposed to be the main character, and he fucking trained his 7- or 12-year-old son at the time for, like, some crazy-ass, intensive, hardcore physical training that no child should ever do to sort of become and be molded into this character. Like, everything for this guy is very sort of... Everything has meaning and everything has purpose and he's doing things for reason. And it, it, you should watch that documentary because it's crazy. Like, the guy's just, like... He went on a weekend trip to Paris and he just stumbles upon Dali or something. He's like, I want you. I want you in my movie. And he's like, no, I... You want, I want flaming giraffes. And he's like, I will give you flaming giraffes if you come into my movie. And he's like, okay, I agree. And it's just great. Well, you're kind of that way short. Like the, the story part with Dali, it's really funny because he, they met in like four different countries until he actually convinced him to come yeah, to the something movie. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. And there's a funny story how he promised to make Dali the most um, high-paid actor in Hollywood. Yeah. And also he find a way to not pay him that much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so Pink Floyd, Dali uh orson orson wells i think is the big fat actor uh, and apparently they, they met somewhere in france or somewhere as well and he was eating at a restaurant he's like if you come in my movie and he's like no i don't care and he's like if you come in my movie you will eat every day as you do here for the rest of the filming and he's like okay i agree and it, the guy is just like so crazy and spastic and full of like this mysticism and it's it's amazing it's fucking amazing and he had everything he had storyboarded the whole movie and apparently there are only two copies in the world. There's like this thick storyboard with like every scene of the movie and all the dialogue and everything. And he went to Hollywood and he's like, here, I want to make this. And they didn't make it because the, because Hollywood at the time was evil. Like in the 60s or whatever, it was evil and shitty. And they wanted to have their own people to, you know, take part and do stuff and contribute and whatever. Uh, and they didn't make it. And then David Lynch made it and it was absolute shit. And now Apple is making a TV show, I think. There is a TV show that is being made. Yep. I have no, nothing about it. I think some scenes were filmed in Budapest. That's the whole extent of my knowledge about this hmm. this series. Yeah. I, I love that you, you wrote down stuff you're going to check out later. I'm really curious what you think about all these crazy shit that, that we just thrown out there. The documentary? Sorry? What's the, what's the name of the documentary? Dune. D U N E. Isn't it something like the greatest movie never made? I don't fucking know. Just write Jodorowsky Dune and you'll you'll find, you'll it. find it. Yeah, Jodorowsky Dune. I think no, it's called Jodorowsky's Dune. Okay, twenty thirteen. It's good, and you'll love if you if you ever watch it, you'll love the 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 graphical mm -hmm. thing of it because he even had 
Oh, he had, yeah, he had H.R. Giger, the guy who invented aliens, basically. He had him be the artist and Moebius. Uh, and it's so, it, like, this is, I think that the most important thing probably as an artist when you watch that is the fact that this was before any of the big famous things that are now, like, alien and stuff like this. This was before alien. So all the artwork you will see in the documentary about Dune later made it into aliens. And later made it into Star Wars. And later mentioned all these big cult classics. You can all trace them back to this version that was never made of Dune. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the artwork that's supposed to be in Dune, it's basically the artwork for aliens. Yep. It's it's insane. It's crazy. Um, There's, like Salvador Dali, there is um, a short animation that he actually did with Walt Disney. I Haven't we seen that? Or, I don't know. I've heard of it. I don't think so. I've never heard of it. Nice. I think it's 15 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Disney made made with him an animation. I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. Not neither did I. And I feel bad now because I've been on the Dali exposition. I've read his book. <laughs> hadn't I've not enjoyed his book <laughs> by any stretch. <laughs> Sorry, but otherwise, yeah, he was a crazy guy. I went to Tate Modern. I didn't really enjoy anything there. <laughs> you know, Tate Modern, the yeah. The, the the modern art museum. Yeah, I didn't really like that. It didn't really make sense to me. When you were there, what did they have in the... the there's a very big room that they usually do art installations in. Yeah, the upstairs room. Huh? What did they yeah, I didn't there? go there. I didn't... I did. We didn't... It was, I think it was... A, you had to buy a ticket for that. Mm, and yeah. it was a friend's birthday and she didn't want to go there. So we, didn't, we just went to like the second or third floor or something. What kind of expositions are there? Like what kind of art? Modern the art installations. Modern. Like modern. Modern, postmodern, all that crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, that's walls painted in one single color. Art. I've they been... had it. Go ahead. One of the art installations there, we actually learned it in art history. Uh, this artist created a crack in the entire floor that was ranging up to two meters in depth and two meters in width Holy across. Shit. And they would just let people come in and walk around it. That was the whole art installation. Yeah, what I. Sorry, go ahead. And then another one that was really cool was there's uh, this artist that created tiny sunflower seeds made out of ceramic, but the same size as normal sunflower seeds, and filled it. There was like four centimeters just of ceramic sunflower seeds in the whole room. Wow. See, I didn't see any of that because that sounds cool. What what I saw, the one thing that is going to haunt me until I die is some fucking. Dress made out of tubes, and oh, I, I know the artist. It was it was yeah. like a, a a figurine of a human, and it was just a bunch of tubes that kind of looked like a dress, but she was on like a, a mini platform, yeah, and the tubes it. would go down. And then there's a description, and the description was like an actual woman wearing them, and then th- there was like red liquid for the tubes and it had something to do with jews and blood and the holocaust and i was like what what i don't i don't understand that i got to the weird part of art yeah <laughs> like the only one time i've been to a modern art museum and i got i took something out of it like not stealing it but just taking it. yeah <laughs> it was in paris i think it was uh, centre pompidou or whatever and that's when I discovered like this this whole bunch of floors with weird paintings. There's like one that's had just a triangle with a line from the 
uh, one angle to the bottom. Like yeah. everything you would have done geometry in sixth grade, and like this is art now. But I've discovered there Kandinsky, and I really love Kandinsky for some weird uh-huh. reason. Because I have this weird way of. Um, I've been in Paris once for like five or six days, and I've went to so many museums that I cannot even remember. But the way I would do it, I was I would just go into a room, take one tour of it, and then go back again. And whatever stuck stuck to me, I just take a picture out of it. Hmm. Just everything that resonates, and then some weird way, whatever. And getting out of that museum, I saw that I had like thirty pictures of only Kandinsky. <laughs> I was just looking online, Kandinsky. Kand- Come on, how many times do you think you need to take this picture of his name? Just remember it. Hmm. So, yeah. Sometimes something sticks. I don't know who that is. But the name rings a bell. It's just Russian painter. It's basically the way I describe it, so it makes sense. It's, it's splashing on the canvas kind of paint. Uh, kind, of, kind of paintings. Okay. But they're nice. I like them for some reason. Hmm. What's your favorite artist? Or artists? <laughs> Mm, Michelangelo, Van Gogh. You're going classics. Yes. You're not going to some weird esoteric people that we've never heard of. These are all people yeah. that people have heard of. There's a few artists on, like contemporary art artists on Instagram. Uh, the names, their names don't come to me right now, but they do some really interesting art as well. Helen Beard, she's a pretty cool contemporary artist. Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say the classics, really. I think growing up on them, really seeing the art in the museums, just seeing classical art, to me, that was always what art was. Hmm. And I think now entering the art world and going to school for art and seeing all these people saying, no, this is what art is. It's been a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, that changed, didn't it? I can't remember where I saw this, if it was a documentary or something. Uh... But, like, art changed from, it's that thing with, like, the beauties in the eye of the beholder, right? And that's, I I don't know when, the 19-somethings, maybe, when it changed. Uh, With the invention of the camera and impressionism? I don't know. But it was was something along the lines of, up to that point, it was all about recreating the most accurate version of life. And it's all perfection and toil and hard work to make it beautiful and michelangelo like and whatever and then something happened and became all about interpretation and that's when it started becoming abstract and shit so the camera was invented and they had uh impressionist artists like monet manet um the guy who paints with the dots Seurat. yeah so because they could now take pictures so you had the realistic version of it spending all these hours to perfect something uh became a little bit useless i guess to Hmm. some artists and so they started interpreting art in a different way and then from that they just got more and more abstract that's cool never thought of it i can't remember where i saw it i think it was that explained document uh the series on netflix or something i think maybe i don't know whatever do you have any Particular things you do when you uh, visit an art gallery or an art museum. Museum, more likely. Mm, walk around, take it in order. <laughs> so I, I've, I found <laughs> out uh, randomly that if if I uh, put my headphones on with some classical whatever music, I just found a random art gallery museum playlist on Spotify. Just put that in. 
and just walk through the whole gallery. The fact that it just takes you out of the whole noise that is there and you kind of can forget that people are around you and it's just you and the paintings, it makes you more personal. And I have like this very vivid example of it and the Musée d'Orsay, which is my favorite art museum ever. There's this one specific painting. It's not the best one by any means, but it's this huge painting of three uh, reindeers, elks, I think. It's one on the side who's looking and the other, other two are fighting and one is just get, getting their horns through the neck of the other one. And the one who's dying has this like really stupid derpy face. <laughs> you cannot help yourself but laughing because I've been there once with a friend. We look at this thing and just we laughed our asses off at this reindeer, elk, whatever. And the second time I went there, just before I left, I did the whole classical music thing. And I'm just looking and it's like it's had so much feeling. It like this, this other reindeer is looking and this, his friend is dying. And then I've had all these feelings like, this is so beautiful. How could I laugh at this? Right. It just changed the whole perspective for me. Hmm. That's art, isn't it? Yeah, but it, the thing I'm saying, I'm saying right now here is just the fact that I had music that just took yeah. me out of the space that I'm in the museum. I'm just visualizing something and trying to feel it more than just looking at it. Just like, okay, I see this, take a picture, Instagram, and then moving on. Hmm. Change the whole experience of experiencing art, <laughs> if you will. What inspires you? Mm, music, life, and people. I think people mm. probably the most how do people inspire you in what way everybody lives a different life for me and just seeing how beautiful everybody is in their own way is it makes me th I don't know I think that's the, the driving factor for art for me is trying to maybe connect and put across the same ideas that like I'm feeling that maybe other people are feeling as well. So you're trying to use art as a sort of a medium to express your own feelings, sort of to yes. be heard. So, yeah, sometimes. I, I think uh, maybe all artists have this, but sometimes I make art for the sake of making art. Sometimes it's just for the sake of doing it, the techniques. And other times it's for an end product. Like you have a set painting in mind that you want it to look a certain way. Yeah. So in, uh, intention, I think, is a really big factor to it. I have this one question about it, and I don't think it ever has a definitive answer for it, for it. But when we're talking about a painting, let's say, is it supposed to have an intrinsic meaning that, it, that the painter wanted to portray? Or is it just you put something on a canvas and whoever just takes, whoever is watching just takes whatever you can out of it? I think... For example, me as the artist, I will always have my own idea of the painting or the piece of art that I have. But the second that I put that out into the world, it no longer holds the meaning that I have for it because everybody will interpret it in their own way, even if they're told that this is what the meaning of the painting is. So I, I think that's um, that might be a lot a big reason why a lot of artists don't share their work is because it, it is no longer their work then. Once other people are able to see it, it gets interpreted differently. Um, and I, I can see how that might be a big factor for some artists, right? For me, it's never been an issue for somebody to look through my sketchbook, even if there's personal stuff in there for me, it's just, I mean, it's art, it's something that I've created. I'm not ashamed of it. And I think for others, 
it's a big risk to have somebody else see like, oh, this is how you did this, or this is how you're thinking, or this is how you're expressing yourself. Is it something that could expose you or make you feel vulnerable? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I feel that like being an artist is all about vulnerability because you are putting a piece of yourself out there, a piece of your soul, not just a piece of your mind, but like you're, you're, Cause it's not, you're not just drawing something. You're like, you, you create something out of years of study and years of mastery and years of emotion and I don't know, suffering or happiness or whatever emotion it is, right? Of emotion, you're putting it into some, you're sort of like a, like a wet towel. You're sort of, you know, all the, ju the, the creative juices and the emotion and everything. You're just putting it into something and then giving out to the world, I guess. I don't know. That's how I... I, did, I did we talk about this? No, we didn't. I, my therapist... Just go for it. Yeah, about, about like why I wanted to make video games, because that's basically it. Like I realized way after stopping to make video games that that's all I ever wanted. Was It's just kind of... Because that's what... The only thing I grew up with was that... The, the main thing I grew up with was video games. So in my head, all I wanted to do was sort of express me through that medium and that's all and if you boil it down like the medium wasn't even important it's just the need to be heard is that something that you resonate in any way with mm, i think maybe a larger rather than a need to be heard maybe a need to be accepted subconsciously mm. i think and that's something maybe, yeah, I wouldn't say like all people want to be accepted, but it is a nice feeling, of course. So does that mean that you get frustrated if you make something and you don't think it's good enough? Um, yes, but it's not whether other people think it's good or not. I have my own standard and my own idea of what yeah. I want something to look like. And when I don't reach that, then I'm frustrated with myself. Because I have people who tell me they like my art and I have people who tell me they don't like my art. It's the same to me. Because they it's it's something different to them than it is for me. You yeah. know, like a lot of the time I'm always like, but I love your art, you're doing so well. And I'm like, e yeah, but I'm not happy with it. I'm not right where I would want to be. And I think that might be important because it keeps pushing you to get better and to improve. I don't think I've ever heard of any creative person being satisfied with what they're doing. <laughs> ever. What it, what's your thing on this this idea of a, a um, what's the word in English for it that an artist must must suffer in order to draw inspiration <laughs> for something, right? Because I would had this thing like I, somewhere around high school, beginning of college, I would use to journal, and I had this particular thing of writing whatever I felt in a way that is not very detailedly specific about me, but that everybody could understand and go to the same thing. And I had a couple of people that would show this to, and they would say. I've been through the exact thing and I love that reaction. Mm. But if I was happy, I could not find any urge to write. It's, it was always when I was sad. Same here. I have a shitload of notebooks full of scribbles and sad lyrics and stuff from when I was an ang angsty teenager and then a little bit in university and then nothing since then. Mm, I, I think I can relate. And the fact that most of the time when I write, it is when I'm frustrated. But I don't think that applies to art. 
and I think everyone suffers. <laughs> I don't think it's just an artist thing. Uh, I'm sure everybody's suffering in their own way. I, I think it's a human thing, and I think to some degree we do it to ourselves. No, it and, definitely, definitely is, and but to some extent, it's it has this weird way of getting creative things out of you more than the happiness does. Because at some point, I just realized two things. Well, it's it's different places where you feel these feelings, like happiness is just all over your body like a worm that takes over your whole body but sadness i felt like it's the size of a tennis ball somewhere in the middle of my rib cage and then happiness whenever you have it it's just it, it works like a like a candle you light it it works but it just consumes everything and when you're happy you want to no, no you want to dance you want to laugh you want to be with people and this thing basically consumes it lets it unfold the sadness there's you have to intentionally put it in a creative outlet I think, especially probably for me as a man who I haven't cried in years, <laughs> there's just somewhere I need to put it. Yeah, I just had a thought because like when you're when you're happy, you want to be happy, so you're more focused on on the inside on getting the hap more happiness on your inside, right? From like absorbing it from outwards or whatever to be in you and to consume that like a fire, like you said. But then when you're sad. You don't want to be sad. You just want to get it out. So you do it for like art or writing or whatever. You just want to get it out of your system and put it somewhere else other than yourself. Is that a good analogy? I mean, I, I think it is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's a much healthier way of dealing with it. Um, I have a really bad habit of if I get sad, I, I kind of dig myself a hole. And I sit with my sadness for a while. Oh yeah, I do that same thing same. always. <laughs> yeah. When I'm sad, I want to get more sad because I feel I feel that getting more sad is what's gonna sort of get it out of my system faster. Yeah, right. Like kind of just accept it, sit with it. Yeah. But uh, I think if I channel that into art or writing or something, I'd probably get over it much quicker. Nowadays, that's the only time when I play guitar. Oh. It's like you know used to play in a band in high school all the time, right? For like two or three years. Nowadays, I rarely touch it. I need to, and I haven't been, weirdly enough, I haven't been like guitar playing sad in a while. I've been sad recently for various reasons, but I've, I've it's very rarely that I, like once every few months that I get like, I need to play the guitar kind of sad because that's such a dismissive type of sad. It's just like, You've been sad for a long while where you're just like, I just don't want to, I'm just going to play the guitar. I don't, I'm going to stop work. I'm going to stop sleep. I'm going to stop anything. I just need to do that one thing to get it out. And then you get it out and then you're fine. <laughs> Usually afterwards is what I find. So I haven't touched it in like a few months. Hmm. It's right there. It's I, looking I, at I'm you. I'm looking at it as I'm speaking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you bastard <laughs> um yeah i don't know do you play any instruments do you play any music i played piano for eight years oh I shit one of you doing timishrata for like first and second grade and then when i moved to the states i started taking private piano lessons and i quit because i hated practicing <laughs> i love to play but i hated to sit and practice so mm. i just i begged my mom to stop i was like please she was like fine I begged you to like practice for eight years. I don't want to have to make you practice anymore. So if you want to stop, you stop. Do you still play occasionally? Uh, yeah. When I get around a keyboard, 
I tap a few notes. I don't really remember anything off the top of my head anymore, but I can still read sheet music. So I, I'm sure if I had some time, like if I have an hour with some music, I'd probably be able to play it again. I hate reading sheet music. I just, I hate, that's, I've changed, like, I've switched, like, five or six guitar teachers. Because always at the third or fourth lesson, because that's when you, that's when they make you learn the notes and stuff. And I just can never be bothered. I'm like, I don't want to learn that. I don't care. I just want to strum the <laughs> guitar. I don't want to read music. I don't give a shit. So I just, I'd stop. And like a few months later, I'd, I'd get another teacher and then go for the same thing again. It's lazy. But you really have to, like, you have tabs for guitar. Yeah. If you want to be mediocre for the rest of your life. Can you, can you hear stuff and then play it on the guitar? It you takes a little bit, but yeah, I can. I, I'm I'm bad with solos, so like I was always rhythm guitar, because when you do solos, that's kind of when you need to know music theory, to know arpeggios and shit like that. Um, but if you just strum, it's easy because there are only that many notes you can strum, and well, basic uh, chords you can strum because you can strum some weird ass shit. But like I don't, again, you need music theory for that. But you can, you know, quote unquote, play the guitar without learning any music theory because it's just making sounds. If the sounds are pleasing to the ear, then it's music, you know. Yeah, I get it. It's like a kid drawing is still going to be drawing, even though it's like not amazing. It's still going to be drawing, I guess. Analogy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in your final year of university, right? And the, the big painting you showed us is the thing part of my dissertation nice nice what about what about the one behind you with the with the skull the other side of uh, the other behind you <laughs> yeah what's uh, the story behind that i like that what so just there were just some sketches that i started working on i thought um i misread one of the assignments that i had to do and i thought that was what i had to do so i started it and then when i realized that wasn't what i had to do i stopped it looks cool. That I like the skull. The skull it looks very mm, Metallica ride the lightning kind of situation going on. I used to have a poster as a kid and it was like these two skulls that were like held in hands looking at each other. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> What's your what are your so okay, your favorite inspiration or people? What's your favorite thing to actually draw? Like what themes Probably people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah. I, um, I enjoy landscape paintings, but I don't consider myself very good at them. I'm sure if I practice, I'd get better. Obviously, that's how it works. Mm. But uh, I've always drawn people, whether it was portraits or little cartoon figures. I used to draw stickmen. <laughs> I'm good at drawing stickmen. But I used to draw them in London because I was a sad kid and I used to draw them on, on, on sticky notes, on post-its, and I'd, I'd stick them on the bus, like wherever I was sitting on my way to school. I'd just draw something like the message of the day type of situation with like a positive note and just like stick it there and, and hope someone would find it. I did that for a couple of months and I, I, I always wondered where they'd end up or who would have found them or... I had two attempts at that. Really? Yeah, once... I went 
in Arad, we had this big, it's not that big, but a lakey-ish thingy yeah. in, in the center. And you have benches over there where you can sit and just be there. And I went one evening and I wrote something. And I also left a note on the bench I was sitting on. I don't know, it was something corny about having a good day or being enough or whatever, something like that. And another time, I tried to do this, let's call it the social social experiment at school. So I was in high school and I, I made something similar. Like I took a page and wrote this message of you're enough or you're, you should be happy and you're loved or whatever thing of that nature. And on the backside of it, I, I said, because we will always exchange um, classrooms from hour to hour. And I, I said, take this, take it, whatever, leave it, put your name on the back. And at the end of the day, you bring it to this classroom where I had my hour. Nobody brought it back ever. So I have no idea what happened to it. And on the sketchy side, whenever I sketch, because I could never draw. I would, I kind of wanted it to, but I could never had enough, didn't ever have enough passion to put the work into it. But I always draw mo motifs when I scribble. Like what? Like some geometry figures or just curly lines and, and dots and everything just everything just just to fill in the page mm, okay just scribbles i just did stickman <laughs> were they doing something or was just, just they, were, they were they were I, I could draw like stickman fighting in like different poses and stuff or like martial arts or like with giant swords and like the whole movement of the body and how they would swing the swords and stuff I got a little bit good at it, but then, you know, that was high school. <laughs> and then I just stopped. It was like the back of my English textbook. <laughs> yeah. Then there's XKCD right there laughing at your face for not drawing Stigman Bear. Well, that's that was the inspiration that I had to draw Stigman. It was XKCD. If you haven't heard about XKCD, it's a webcomic that started off really nice and awesome and kind of sad. And now it's just too mainstream for my taste, and the jokes are a bit too mainstream. But back in the day, because it was, it's that's where I learned about like the artist suffering, quote unquote, because like the guy was clearly going through some stuff when he was drawing those. So the first like few hundred, maybe the first, first three or four hundred of them, the majority of them are are really like sentimental or sad or something, uh, or they're very they're very deep, right? They have meaning. I think the most popular one is that one about creating something just to say, for the sake of you wanting to create it. The one with the huge block of text in the exactly. middle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that that's the really famous good. one. That one's really good. Cause it, it, it's like, fuck that shit. And it's like, <laughs> go and do creative things. And if you see, is that the one with the, if you see a bunch of people in a field, go up to them and ask them what's going on and what's up. And don't just, yeah, because it's like, you're smart, but you're bored. And therefore, you just let life pass by you or something like that. The, the message was really good. My favorite is, I think, 505, A Bunch of Rocks, where it's just like this huge sketch about a guy in a dimension where there's no time and there's no, like, he doesn't need food or water or anything. And he just starts moving rocks and he creates a giant computer that with the rocks that simulates another universe and he's like oh it's been eons since i've been putting these rocks here and if i misplaced one and you see a blip in your reality then i'm sorry and then it all ends with him actually being in like his first first class of the day in university and he's bored and he's waiting for it to finish and he's thinking of all those things it's really cool 
it's 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 nicely drawn. Was the guy who draws it like I don't know he was he but NASA scientist or engineer or something? I thought yeah. he's really technical. Yes, he was a NASA engineer and he worked on the Mars rover, I think. Uh, and then he just got bored or unhappy with that, and in parallel he was drawing this, these web comics, and he just quit and he became famous for that. And then once he became famous, he became mainstream, and I got bored of him. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, XKCD.com. The guy's name's Random Monroe. I love how you're the artist and we're the ones talking about all these stupid things as if, as, as if we know what we're talking about. <laughs> I think I think it's really cool because everybody has their own um, like visual interests, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. comics or books. And it's cool to learn about new stuff that I haven't seen. Because I think when you like a certain group of things, you stay in that lane and kind of see the same stuff that you would see because the people who are also seeing it also kind of have the same taste. So you never yeah. get anything, like you don't really get exposed to anything new. Yeah, I get that. I watch a shit ton of Gingrams almost <laughs> exclusively. Yeah, that's the, the uh, you know, opposing of him um, and his amazing YouTube subscription list. I'm subscribed to like five things and one of them's Gangrums and that's mostly what I do. And even if I'm subscribed to like other shit, I'll still watch Gangrums because that's just familiar to me. Um, just a bunch of dudes playing video games. That's it. They're just funny. Um, well, I have the problem. I cannot watch the same thing twice. I will watch the same channels. But if I've seen a video a couple once or twice before, if I have no interest in it, I don't need it for a particular thing, I'm not watching it. I think by now it's safe to say that I've seen every single Game Grumps compilation that there is on the planet. That's probably a year worth of investment. <laughs> it's been more than a year that I've been watching them. But I get because it's they've been making at least one video a day since 2013 or 2012. And people made compilations of them. And at some point they just overlap in the compilations. It's just one just giant mishmash of it's all the same jokes and the same compilation and the same cuts. People do some creative stuff with their videos though. Uh, this weekend I discovered a bunch of new things that I haven't seen. Because so Gangrams are two guys playing video games on YouTube and you don't see their faces, you just see the game and then talking. So a lot of people make a lot of animated stuff based on them talking and it, some of them are really fucking great and the animations are really good. Uh, and they're just a diverse they're just very diverse like one of them is they're playing a game and they're sort of, sort of singing something very rhythmic and then someone made they took bits of them talking uh and humming that music and they just took this uh old like classical song mm -hmm. and they sort of just cut it together in such a way as if the two of them are playing instruments together and then one of them always fucks up and then they pick up the song again. But that's the actual song. It's like some classical song that is like it's written that way as if like, oh, it's fucking up. And then, uh oh, we're getting back again. And now we're fucking up again. And now something new is happening. And they, they just edited that to get it's so such a creative fucking venture to do that. It's it's amazing. I love artists. <laughs> Y'all are cool, man. You're all cool. To fucking do all these things and see the world in a different way and to be able to make all these cool things. Like, yeah. I'm too left-sided of the brain to do that, I think. 
Is it the left? It's the left, right? The mm, analytical. The left side, yeah, is the analytical and language and math. Yeah. The right side is more creative. I'm shit at math. You're just lazy. I'm just lazy. <laughs> well, there you go. That's an hour and a half already. Yeah. Got any any anything interesting that we haven't covered that you want to mention or say? Mm, oh, I got a tattoo machine for Christmas. A tattoo machine. Yes, it I, is. I, I honestly, I genuinely thought it was going to be a lot easier to tattoo than it actually is. I've saw that recent. I I think it was recently you had this new thing in your Instagram bio with tattooing. So did you yeah. just pick up tattooing? Are you tattooing on the side? Yeah. Uh, well, so far just myself. Did you tattoo the snake on your hand? No, no. This one I had actually an upperclassman. So when I was in my second year of school, he was a third year painting student. And he just tattooed me in the studio one evening. He was like, just come here after class. So what was, what's, what's the idea? Why, why a snake on the thumb? I thought it would look cute. It does look, it looks cool. Yeah. And it's really, I don't, I don't want to say special, but nobody has tattoo on, on their hand, really. Like just on the hand. You probably have a whole sleeve or something. You run out of skin real estate until you need to get to your thumb. Hmm. It's just yeah, yeah. really cool. Do you have any other tattoos? Uh, yes, maybe 14 or 15 other ones. Holy, okay. Well, didn't expect that answer. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I have two, one or two more. 14, yeah. that's impressive. I My first one I got on my 18th birthday and I got a matching one with my mom. So we have the same matching tattoo. It's the so creation cool. of uh, Adam. By Michelangelo, it's just the hands. Holy shit! Cool mom. Yeah. Shout out and to then, your mom. <laughs> she's amazing. She, I would not be where I am without her. That's so sweet. And, no, to to show you how incredible my mom is. So she was in med school, got pregnant with me, had me, finished med school, then got a counseling, uh, like her PhD in counseling, moved to the states. Uh, got her teaching degree and she's now teaching chemistry. So Holy shit. she's an incredible woman. And I think an example for everybody that if you set your mind to it, you can do it. We need to bring her mom on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need to get her mom here. <laughs> you, should, you should. She's actually she started life coaching. Wow. Now we definitely, I want to yeah, talk to somebody who's a life coach. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. That's cool. What's your, uh, I was going to ask, what's your favorite tattoo? My favorite tattoo i have a jaguar on my hip i think that was my favorite how big um i think like about this big okay and it's uh there's a tattoo shop in sonoya cornerstone tattoo and the actually the owner of it cody he tattooed me that's cool yeah i got them really need to get more tattoos you do you only have the one you need to get more we I should get a to get tattoo more. together why not that basic bitches Hey, we can get something cool. Like you want? So wait, wait, wait. Do you want to get at the same time or the same thing? At the same time, we can go together okay. to get whatever the that, fuck. Yeah, okay, that that we, that we can do. We could also get something matching, not identical, but something that is within the same theme or universe or whatever. I don't know. I want to get a lot, a lot more stuff done. I only have one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven? Eleven. I have eleven. I'm not far off from you. Shit, I feel like such a virgin. 
Yeah. Okay, I got it. I'll get, I'll get more tattoos. And I want to get more, like, eyes and teeth and creepy crawly stuff. And then I want to get my whole right hand tattooed in a Nordic Viking sleeve of awesome or some shit. I don't know. Do you still want to do that weird tattoo that will scare priests? I want to get a very, very satanic tattoo. I don't know what. It, it just has to be Baphomet or some crazy, evil, bloody shit. I don't know why. I just want to. My godmother's brother-in-law is a priest. Mm-hmm. And when he met me and he saw the snake on my thumb, he was like... Really? Yeah. I <laughs> like, think he might have been a little bit. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, legit or was he sarcastic? <laughs> I think a little sarcastic when he was eyeing me. They were like, so a uh, snake. Or do you know that it's like the devil? I was like, oh my God, please tell me you extended him an apple. <laughs> <laughs> you should be like, hey, here's an apple. Want to try it? <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a wrap. Cool. Not Thanks yet. Hmm? not yet well no okay not yet not yet there's there's one more thing we need to do you get um 20 seconds to plug whatever you want so you can talk about anything of yourself or promote your stuff or promote someone else's stuff or a book or a movie or anything you want to plug you have 20 minutes 20 seconds go um Listen to Amine and watch WandaVision and Midnight Gospel and just be kind to people. That's all. Just accept people. You don't have to like them. Just accept people. I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. I like that. I subscribe to that. We're getting so many open-minded people. So very kind people. What are you saying? We need to get bad people. We need to get bad people yeah, on the to, podcast. We need to get someone who's like super racist to talk and debate and argue. I would do that. Uh, I'd debate a racist. Why not? I wouldn't. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Well, I, I, I'd i debate a civil racist. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Somebody who can actually hold a conversation, not someone who just scream and shout on the top of his lungs. You know how more than half of our episodes start with, how's everyone doing? We're very tired. I need to be in a very healthy daytime mindset to argue with someone that opinionated. I don't know, man. I've spent, I've talked at, until 3 or 5 a.m. with people about religion. I can do that. Yeah. I'm just tired of arguing. Anyway, thank you very much for being on the podcast. This has been very chill, very nice, very good talk. Um, And I think we all learned a little bit about art, haven't we? Yes, we did. We did. Uh, And we're we're waiting for your feedback on the shit that you wrote down that we recommended. I will write to you guys about it. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank you for being here. And... uh, Speak to you soon, I guess. See you next time. And thank you, everyone out there. And uh, have a good one. Yep, that's a wrap. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.